Hello and welcome to the uh, latest edition of the How Might We podcasts. And today I'll be pleased to join by Saima, who wants to talk about how might we fully engage our employees, which sounds like a very interesting uh, topic and relevant to us today. So without further ado, Saima, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit, please? Thank you, Scott, for having me. My name is Saima. I have around eight to 10 years of banking experience in the UAE banking space. So I've worked with Barclays Bank and I've also worked with Abu Dhabi Islamic Bank. Then I decided to branch off and do a freelance consultancy in the learning and development and HR space. So I'm a freelance consultant in that space. Okay, lovely. So what you want to talk about is how might, how might we fully engage our employees, which is quite a broad subject. So where would you want to start? So I'd like to talk about employee engagement in general. I think the main question that we're asking is how might we fully engage our employees? Now, employee engagement is a very, at times I feel, a misunderstood term because more often than not, it's clubbed together with the term satisfaction, which is which is misinterpreted because it's very different from satisfaction and I'll come to that. So there are basically four or five questions that we need to ask. So the first question is getting our foundation and our basics right. So what is it? What is employee engagement? So while there is several definitions on the internet and textbooks and articles and whatnot, you could say that it's an effort to understand and describe both on a qualitative and quantitative um, terms what the nature of the relationship is between an organization and its employees. But I'd like to break that down and make it very simple. So if I ask you, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say employee engagement, what would you say? For me, it's just about that emotional connection with the organization that the person has. Yep, so it's an emotional connection. It could be commitment. It could be the passion. Again, motivation, going the extra mile discretionary effort and towards the organization and its goals. Now, how is it different from satisfaction? When I'm in class, more often than not, I'd love to ask this question. Is engagement the same thing as satisfaction? And you'd be surprised at how many times students say, yes, it is. And then when I ask, they say that satisfaction is the description of employee engagement, which you and I have just talked about in terms of commitment and happiness. And well, I'm satisfied, that means I'm happy. So imagine you're in a boat. Now you've got three types of employees, now depending on the level of commitment. So you've got someone who's actively engaged, you've got someone who's satisfied, and then you've got someone who's actively disengaged. So you, Scott, are right at the front. You've got your paddle, armed with your paddle, you know which direction you want to go in, and you're rowing the boat full speed ahead because you know where you want to go. You're motivated, you're committed. So you are actively engaged. Now you've got, let's say, Sue sitting right in the middle, okay? And she has her paddle, she'll row the boat when she wants to, but at times she'll be like, it's okay, I'm fine, I'm comfortable. Whether we move, we don't move, I really don't care. I'm comfortable. So it's not like she's not, she's, it's not like she's slacking off, but she's putting in half the work. So she's satisfied because she's comfortable. Now you've got Simon sitting right at the end. She's a third employee. And because she's stark raving mad, she's going to actively dig a hole in the boat. So she's definitely not engaged. 
and she's definitely not satisfied. She's actively disengaged. So when I, we give that example, it's amazing how students have that aha light bulb moment because then that clarifies that satisfaction is comfort, whereas when you're engaged, you put in the extra effort. And that can be done, and that's motivation. Now, motivation can work both ways. It can work positively and it can work negatively. So Scott has positive motivation. He wants to move ahead. Simon has negative motivation. That's why she's motivated to make sure that the boat sinks, right? So the second question that we need to ask is, well, we know what it is. Now, why is it important? Now, specifically in a COVID environment, something that is unprecedented, we haven't seen this in our lifetimes and the chances are our parents haven't seen this either. So we need to ask, why is it important? So it's crucial. Why? You need to retain talent. Now, talent retention is, is spoken about very, very enthusiastically, but what are we doing towards it? Studies show that disengaged employees are more likely to leave their jobs. Now, there was a survey in Forbes magazine, and they said that employees who are engaged are more likely to be motivated, and they remain committed to the employer. So 96% of employees believe that if the leadership shows empathy, that works actively towards advancing employee retention. So that's where leadership comes in. You need to lead from the front. You need to be visible and you need to have that human element. You need to empathize. Now, employee value proposition, your brand reputation, talent acquisition, all of them clubbed together also work very well towards employee engagement and can be a subset of it as well. So again, same study of Forbes magazine, 89% of workers at companies said that organizations that support well-being initiatives result in employee referrals, high, higher employee referrals. So I will refer Scott because I love the organization that I work for and I would want Scott to come in and work in this organization. A Gallup survey. Yeah, sure, go ahead. So I just want to pick, pick that up there and sort of you talked about well-being. So, I mean, traditionally when people talk about employee engagement, they think about how much money we're going to give somebody benchmarking the compensation and benefits, mm -hmm. those types of things. But you've said in that study, eight, 89%, 89% yeah. of employees where they feel their emotional well-being or their, their well-being is looked after, mm -hmm. they're much more likely to refer people to the organization. Yeah. So yeah. what does that tell you about the focus of engagement that current companies traditionally have and what people are actually asking for or rewarding? I think employee, that's a very good question. Organizations generally do the tick box activity of employee engagement surveys without actually sort of stripping each and every question and understanding what the motivation and the rationale behind the answers that you and I give are. So I really feel that organizations, leadership needs to sit down and actually talk to employees at every level and sort of come out from their gilded cages and come in and speak to you and I and find out why we're answering the way we're answering and speak to individuals because you need to motivate individuals. The focus needs to move, I'm not saying that you need to completely move away from the bottom line because that's what everyone is here for. But then you and I contribute to the bottom line. So we need to ask people, are they happy? Now that may seem like a ridiculous question to some. I mean, I have had people who've laughed it off, like how can you ask people, are you happy? My question is why not? Why can you not ask employees if they're happy? What 
what makes them passionate about what they do what why are they getting out of bed is it just to pay rent or is it because they genuinely love the organization that they're working for so when you ask people what's the number one organization that you want to work for more often than not you get the answer it's a knee-jerk instinctive reaction google why because that's how the organization has built itself up so a Gallup survey talked about engaging for success, and they said highly engaged teams show 21% greater profitability. So if you're looking at, I mean, it's every drop counts, naturally, but if you are making sure that your employees are happy, they're motivated, they're committed to the purpose of the organization, the mission, vision, goals, values, that really goes a long way. I don't know if I answered your question or not. No, you did. As I, as I say, it's about it's make sure it's much more holistic in our approach towards employees, absolutely rather than absolutely. just thinking about the financials and the benefits. And interesting enough, I said there's enough research out there from people like Gallup um, and the Forbes on you say that engaged employees are far more productive, more likely to stay, better refer referral rates, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that yeah, organization. So, in some ways, employee engagement is the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The third thing that we need to talk about is how can we engage employees? So get your foundation right, create the right environment. So Nike is known as one of the top most employers when it comes to fair pay and practices. They've got recently enhanced benefits for new parents or workers with an ill relative. So you see how that empathy component comes in. It's looking after your people. Uh, 70 percent of employers have improved their physical environments to encourage healthy behaviors. So the focus is shifting to behaviors. How am I a right fit for the organization? Because naturally, if I am motivated and, I, and I'm committed to the organization, my energy can be infectious in a good way. And if I'm demotivated, I'm, I'm naturally going to spill that over to my colleagues and the rest of the organization as well. Um, you've got several examples of organizations that really know what they're doing and they're doing it well. So Google is a very well-known example. They, apart from the theme park like campus and the facilities that they give to their employees, they also allow them time off to work on their own projects. So the priority over there is valuing input and creativity. Disney is another example where they uh, only hire people who are the right fit for the culture. So they do it slow, but they do it right. We talked about holistic focus. So they've got a holistic training plan. They've got high quality communication. And uh, they were known as the top employer in 2018 by Forbes magazine. So they're looking at genuine care, a very supportive environment. It's the designations that they give to the employees. So they won't give them boring designations such as executive, or support staff, they'll call them cast members. And I think that's a, that's a fantastic way of nurturing someone's dreams to probably become a theater artist or, or a, you know, an actor or whatnot. So that it's, it's a designation isn't costing them anything, but the fact that they call them cast members, it treats that they're treating their employees like family members. Apple. Another example, so your tech staff is known as geniuses, Apple geniuses. So isn't that a shift from the boring textbook definitions to something that gives, that motivates them and gives them a sense of purpose? A couple of more examples, DreamWorks. So DreamWorks focus on employees, again, in the same vein as Google, promoting 
employees to showcase their personal work and projects to their fellow colleagues. Google's trademark is empowerment and transparency. So again, another example of Google is that there was a Glassdoor survey where they were talking about 87% of employees expect, it's a basic expectation, that their employer supports them in balancing, in work-life balance. So it's, it's really, it's a major shift from, from it being a tick box activity to actually walking the talk. American Express is another organization that focuses on behaviors. So you're, move, you're shifting away from, it's, again, I, when I say shifting away, I'm not saying you're totally abandoning the KPIs because that's why we're there. But then you're also looking at what are the right behaviors. Again, Virgin, the, the brand, listening. And I just absolutely think that is the heart of engagement. If you listen to your employees, if they feel that they're valued, you listen to their opinions and you take care of their ideas, you allow them to have, you allow them to debate and have healthy debates and you allow them to continuously innovate, that goes a long way. I can write this down for you that people will not leave you if you create the right environment. Now we have a lot of organizations that don't get it right. Get it right. So you have organizations that are constantly cost cutting. They've got poor work-life balance. They're just focused on the bottom line. There's a fast fashion retailer that used to constantly rummage through their employees' bags during the break time to see if there was any stolen merchandise. That's not going to harbor any trust. That's going to give you a lot of feelings of betrayal and mistrust. Another pioneer of you know, electric vehicles and clean energy, you're not focusing on respect. You're not focusing on, on your talent. You're just focused on the bottom line. So again, I mean, it really shows that, you know, a lot of big players don't know what they're doing. Now you have to understand that if your focus is just the bottom line, be open about it. If it's just the bottom line, your turnover is going to be very, very high. These two are just directly proportional. And if you don't care about the turnover, that's fine. That's a priority. Another Gallup survey talked about how productivity in the UK has dropped from 17% to 8% over four year period. That's not a very long time. That was between 2012 and 2016. And it said that around 73% of employees are disengaged. So you, you and I need to be worried about that, whether we're HR professionals, whether we are the CEO, whether we're anyone in the organization. If there's mistrust in leadership, if there's poor communication or broken communication systems, that is naturally going to fracture your relationship with your employees i just want to go back to because you've mentioned the word a couple of times which is trust so you say it doesn't build trust and when there is mistrust mm -hmm. so can we explore a little bit then the sort of the role trust plays in the level of engagement within organizations i think trust is a major component and it's one of your building blocks in any relationship whether we've got relationship with our family members whether you have a romantic relationship whether you've got a friendship Trust is, is your foundation, it's your building block. So if you and I don't trust one another, naturally that's going to spill over in our, in our relationship. We're not gonna have a very strong relationship and we're definitely not gonna have a very long relationship. And I think that, that mirrors itself in organizations as well. So mistrust will manifest itself in poor performance. It'll come into high attrition. 
So if I don't trust you as an employer, I won't willingly work for you for a very long time. Or if I will, I'll just do a very, very shoddy job of what I'm doing. Just enough to get my salary. I'll be comfortable. I'm paying rent. As soon as someone gives me, let's say, 100 pounds more, $500 more, I'll, I'll bail ship. I think that that's very important. Trust is very, very important in any relationship. Now, if I, I just want to extrapolate that out a little bit, especially mm -hmm. where we are now. So as you talked about KPIs before and uh, retail people checking bags and we're, we're, we're measuring performance through metrics, which you, you feel we could be much better at. And then if we now move into when we come out of COVID and we go into the new normal, whatever that may be and how that may look, mm -hmm. In my view, I think things that you're talking about now, and especially the trust element, are going to be much more to the forefront as the traditional measurements and metrics that we have aren't going to work anymore. Yeah. And engaging our staff. So how can we as managers engage our staff when they're working remotely or working as hybrid teams compared to when they were all in the office at the same time? I think you need to. That's a very good question. I think there are quite a few things that you can do to you know, nurture trust and, and then naturally have the right environment, make it a very inclusive culture, select the right people, give them the right training, have, have strong communication systems and genuinely care. So again, that empathy element that we spoke about earlier comes in. So it's absolutely crucial. And that if you're giving me the right tools, I will trust you. If you give me purpose, I will trust you. If you give me autonomy, if you empower me, naturally, you as my manager or you as senior management will trust your employees. So I could be sitting in the office and doing nothing except warming the seat. So just because I'm in front of you, I think seeing is believing, if I can use that term. So you'll see, okay, Simon's sitting in her seat. So you trust that I'm working. So why can you not trust that I'm working remotely? I mean, COVID-19 has completely turned the whole world upside down when it comes to working from home and, you know, the, the traditional nine to five jobs of us physically being in the workspace. Remote working was not an alien concept. We kept resisting it. And COVID-19 has just proven this time and time again, that we can run a business very successfully, even while we're work working remotely. I can sit in the office and literally do nothing. And I can be highly engaged and very motivated while I'm sitting in my home office and working. Transparency, I think that's another thing that works towards trust. So walk the talk, don't have any hidden agendas. I will trust you that way as an employee. Motivate me individually. Ask me what gets me excited. Support me in my personal and professional projects as well. So every single employee experience at every company around the world is a combination of three environments. So it's culture, it's technology, and it's your physical space. So the physical space has sort of gone out the window because of the unprecedented circumstances that we're in and times that we're in. So give me the right culture. The culture is not a physical, tangible thing that you and I can touch, but it's what we experience. So that's very important. And technology has completely come at the forefront in the times that we're working in. So we need to understand that 
employee engagement is the fuel of an organization. So even if we're brilliant at it, there's always room for improvement. And we need to maximize that to our advantage as an organization. Okay, so I want to go back again to something you said that was interesting. So if you're, I think this is applicable to any size of organization, whether you're a uh, couple of hundred, few thousand, 10,000, maybe a couple of hundred thousand. Yeah. And the thing that you said was that employee engagement is on an individual level, as you yeah. say, because it's how I feel as an individual towards the, exactly. the organization. So is that a challenge or a, a way that organizations need to look at how can we engage all of our employees as an individual? As that's a, that's a good question. Again, we need to, that trickles down to management, doesn't it? So, so your senior management have, have an oversight of how the culture is. They're leading from the front. But it's your middle managers who also need to understand and sit down and have those conversations. Those coaching conversations need to increase. Those, those mentoring relationships, if they're mentoring someone else from another department. So if I'm in finance, maybe I could mentor someone in HR. My direct coaching relationships with my finance analyst or whatever the titles are need to be very strong because that's where I get to ask them that question. What's exciting you? What's, what's bothering you? How can I help you? We need to ask that because we don't have those conversations because we're just very, very concerned about the day-to-day -day operational issues. We're constantly firefighting and we need to move away from a firefighting mindset. Because if I know that my manager is constantly firefighting, I'm not going to talk about what's bothering me or what's exciting me. Because I may perceive that as being a non-essential item to talk about. It's not a priority or it's going to bother them in some shape or form. And then that, that will eventually gnaw away at me. And then obviously there's a talent war all around. Someone can always take me away for like $1,000 or whatever it may be. Maybe it's the environment I'm looking for. I can move at the same pay, but the environment is better. So recruitment, retention, all of these things are costly. You're spending resources on it. Time is a critical resource. And we more often than not don't think about, well, time is money. It is. Why would you want me to, why would you want to spend as much time as you have to recruit me, to train me, only to lose me after a month or six months or one year, and then go through that same process of hiring someone, screening someone, training them, inducting them and whatnot. So instead of it being a hamster wheel process, we need to move away and think and spend a little bit more time in seeing what are we doing right. So it's like exit interviews. I think exit interviews are grossly misused because a lot of, some employees use them as bargaining tools. A lot of them more often than not will say, no, it's because of oh, our personal reasons I'm leaving. But if you actually sit down and think about it, maybe they don't like the environment. Maybe they don't, maybe they're going for better pay. Maybe you're not giving them the right learning and development opportunities. You never know. And we can only find out if we ask. So that's very important. You can only engage someone if you talk to them. And I don't think that organizations spend a lot of time speaking to their employees about what matters most. I think the understanding is that what matters most is that we need to think about the bottom line. And, and that needs to shift completely post-COVID. 
Okay, so I'll just pose a question then. And it just, as you were talking, so again, similar to the other people I talked to, conversations seem to be becoming much more important in building these relationships on an individual mm -hmm. level within an organization, whether it's with our customers, whether it's with our staff, understanding the needs and wants of people we're working within and outside the organization. And as you say, employee engagement is that holistic approach. Mm -hmm. So I suppose if you ask that, and this could be where the, the paradox lies currently within organizations. If you ask managers, middle managers, how important is the level of engagement in your organization? They will probably say quite high. Yeah. You then ask, how much of your time do you now devote to employee engagement if it's so important? Very low. So I think there might be a paradox in that sort of Naturally, absolutely. understanding of how important it is, even within organizations, they accept the engagement's important. There's enough evidence to support it. It's the amount of time spent actively trying to engage with people. Yeah, we're not we're not spending enough time. I still feel we're not spending enough time. Yeah. So how can we? Which we can go on to it in a minute because we've got some tips. So it's about move, as you say. So the message I think that you're saying, and you can, from my understanding, is it's about moving away from concentrating on the bottom line and being operational to so the relationships with management and staff to be a little bit more strategic in understanding where people are coming from, what's important to them, that communication strategy on an individualized basis, as you said. Absolutely. And no matter how big an organization you are, if your line managers are involved or your middle managers, then you get the individual relationships happening within the organization's management team at various levels and the employees within the business. Yes, but I also think that your senior management can also be more visible. Your, your, your senior management team can be more visible. So what, what does Richard Branson do? He, he just walks into any, any of the stores and talks to the employees. So now he's, he's the CEO. He doesn't need to do that, traditionally speaking, but he does. And what that, and I think that's just brilliant because that works as brilliant PR and marketing for the organization. And his employees also feel connected. So it doesn't cost you very much to be, to be seen as very visible. You need to remove that barrier from, from designations and come at the same level, if I can use that term, so that they understand that you know, you're not some sort of you know, a mirage or an illusion. You're actually a human being that I can speak to. You're not unapproachable. That is something that's very important and works towards employee engagement. It's when leadership is very visible. So whether it's at a line manager, middle management level, or in, and more specifically, I feel, at a senior management level. So you need to change that. that that's absolutely crucial. Okay. So it's more visibility from management from within yeah. all levels in the organization. Absolutely. Getting clarity, talking to people. It's talking to people, absolutely. So I'm sure you must have heard of the example of cleaner at NASA. So there's a cleaner at NASA and he's mopping the floor and someone comes up to him and says, well, what's your contribution in the organization? And he just looks up and smiles and says, I put the man on the moon. Now he physically doesn't put the man on the moon, but he is so engaged. He's so proud and so happy to be part of this organization that he feels that he's creating the right environment to put the man on the moon. So 
you need to understand what gets people excited. Why, why do I feel so excited about my job? Why do I love my organization? What's the reason why people say Google is the number one organization I want to work for? Why is it prestige? Is it the environment? Is it because of the brand? Is it because of the facilities? Is it because of the support that you're providing? What is it? So you need to ask what makes you happy. It's a simple question, actually. It might you think be, of it. It's a simple question to ask, but not sometimes not such a simple question for us to answer ourselves. That's true. I think the answer isn't very simple, but it's a simple question to ask. But we'll never find out what the answer is if we don't ask this question. So I've got somebody I've spoken to previously, and I think it was in a, one of my, I think it was Charlie who said in one of my previous podcasts, and he said, in organizations, we spend a lot of time asking customers what they need. But how often do we actually sit to staff? Not say, what do we give you? But saying to the customers, to staff, what do you actually need from us? What do you need from your, your manager? What do you need from your peers? What do you need from your team? I couldn't agree more. I think, I think that's a brilliant um, way to look at it. So again, I'm going to talk about Richard Branson again, and he sort of echoes what Charlie is saying. He says, so Branson says that the traditional formula of customers, profit, and employees is rubbish. You need to rework that. And if you, and this is how you need to rank it. So it's employees, customers, and profit. Because if you look after your employees, your employees will look after you, which means they look after the customers and the customers will look after the profit for you. And I think that's just genius. You're not, you're not reinventing the wheel. All you're doing is you're just reworking the priority. Because if, if I'm treated like rubbish, I'm not going to work very hard for you if I do intend on staying in the organization. But if I'm valued, I'm trusted, I'm given empowerment, there's autonomy, I feel respected, I will definitely stay. Because then that, a subset of that is motivation, a subset of that is feeling happy. So I think that's, that's absolutely true what Charlie's saying. We need to ask our people, how can we support you? And that shouldn't be parked just for your performance appraisal conversations. You need to have that conversation regularly. So whether it's on a quarterly basis or on a monthly basis, you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't overkill, overkill it and have it on a daily basis because then it loses its meaning and its value. So I'll probably think about every quarter, how can I help you? What, what support do you need from the organization? Again, from your colleagues, your peers, training, learning and development, anything. Why, why restrict it to a once a year conversation? Because it doesn't seem sincere then, does it? It doesn't seem genuine. It just seems forced. Oh, you're reading off a script, that's why. If it's regularly, if it's in the organization DNA, I think it goes a long way. We need to have this as part of our organizational DNA, that we so need that, to value our people. So I think that goes back to part of that trust. So uh, one of the dimensions of trust is believability and credibility. Yeah. So if, if I never ask you, well, not never, that's right. If I rarely ask you how I can help you, and then because we've got to have a six monthly meeting, I then ask you that question, then you don't, there is a, a risk that the person you're asking perceives that you're asking because it's a tick box exercise. Exactly. Because you're just saying like, and I think when you hear managers say, right, I have to ask you this question. It's not because yeah. I want to, it's not because I'm interested. It's because I have to. Yeah. It's a nice to ask question. It's not a need to ask. So I've got to do this because it's part of, you know, we, it's an exit interview. So we have to ask these questions. And yeah. I don't really care 
what are you going to tell me? Because I have to do this. It's not, I'd like to know why you're leaving. So I think yeah. the language we use also has a big impact on how people perceive what even the actions we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Walking the talk. I mean, for all you know, if you and I are having a performance appraisal conversation, I read that out very mechanically. Well, well, okay, Scott, so, you know, what can I do to support you? And you're giving me your answers and I could play tic-tac-toe on that form. I mean, that, that just loses all meaning and purpose. So we, again, and I cannot emphasize this enough, we need to have this regularly as a conversation so that it doesn't seem forced, you know, it seems more sincere and genuine. So it's something we do consistently rather, Absolutely. rather than something that's intensive such as six every six months we do this conversation because it's like a feels as if it's like a a process or if it's an initiative so that's a lot absolutely of engagement in organizations so we've got a well-being initiative so for six weeks or a month we have well-being is really high yeah next month we'll have another initiative and to me yeah. i think i agree with you it's about having that consistency of approach throughout absolutely that approach that we worry about people's well-being we try to support people as much as we can we find out what they want and what they need and have these conversations and we look at it that way absolutely so it's what's what's the six sigma principle you must man you must what gets measured gets managed but if you take that for a step further you can say well what matters must get measured so if employee engagement matters to you you must measure it but are you going to measure it once a year are you going to measure it just because you have to, just because your audit and compliance team is asking you to, or because that's what market practice is, or is it because you're actually concerned? There's a gen, it's in your organizational DNA, and I think that relates to the point that you were talking about when it comes to consistency. If it's in my DNA, it will not seem forced. It'll just seem natural, it'll seem fluid, and that's what you need to have. Okay. So we've covered quite a broad aspect of engagement and sort of some of the areas organizations can look at and you've given some examples of what you would consider to be good practice in employee engagement. Yeah. So for people on the call now, the listeners on the call, if they sit there and go, okay, this all sounds great. What five things could you say that people can do starting tomorrow that will start having an impact on the level of engagement within their team or their organization? I think what we've talked about covers it, but if you would ask me to signpost it again, I would just say your culture needs to be right. Set the tone right. That's number one. Number two, give them purpose. They need to understand why they're there. And within that, you could talk about trust and empowerment. Give them autonomy. Give them the freedom. I think number three would be transparency. So make it open. Don't have any hidden agendas make it consistent. Number four would be asking individuals and teams, are you happy? And if you are, what makes you happy? What gets you excited? How can we support you? And give them the right tools. I think number five is giving them the right tools. So maybe you might need to do a little bit of investment. So whatever tips that we're giving are, are actually there at your disposal. I mean, a lot of them are non-tangibles or intangibles. So you're looking at trust and empowerment costs you nothing, absolutely nothing. Transparency costs you nothing. Giving them purpose costs nothing. Have the right recruitment systems. Have, select employees based on how they fit your culture. Have the right training. Have care, empathy. That costs you nothing. 
when it comes to tools, give them the right tools so that they know that if, if the sky is falling tomorrow, we, we, there is a business continuity model that I can work from home. I know how to use technology. A lot of people were scrambling in the beginning because they didn't know how to work from home because we just actively were resisting it. So you need to, you need to be very pragmatic in your approach. So these five tips that I've given you, if you think about it, four of them cost you nothing. If you just need the right systems, you need to move with the times. Not because everyone else is moving it, because it needs to be the right fit for you as an organization. If you're, if you're going to drag your heels, then, then that's not the recipe for success, I feel. Okay, so start now. And as you say, you can take some baby steps, little steps. Yeah. That can't, but they're not hard to implement, not expensive to implement, but the impact can be quite large on uh, the level of engagement and yeah. the benefits that will cause to the organization. Okay, Simon, well, thank you very much for your time. And thank you for having thoughts me. And insights. You're more than welcome. And uh, look forward to you guys coming up on another podcast and listen to the next one, whatever that may be. Okay, thank you.